Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. It is Monday. Nate and I are coming to you with a 10-game slate in the NBA following that Super Bowl. Happy NFL betting to everybody. Hope you had a successful season and a successful Sunday betting that uh, the uh, Super Bowl there. But we move on to this slate here with best bets, and we also have play a props up in a separate video for you guys. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along with us all season for the rest of the way here in the NBA also want you to head to thelines.com and use the prop finder tool that we have for all these NBA games to make sure that you're getting the best odds available to you from all of the books offering us bets this NBA season. Nate, we for those who have not been following along closely with the NBA Coast to Coast, another 66-2 and two night there on Friday. As the kids stayed pretty hot, we were well above 500, probably around 700 uh, in, the, in the betting last week and a couple weeks prior. So let's stay hot with your first best bet tonight. Yeah, been a good February. Um so I'm I'm looking at Hawks uh, minus four at, as they host Chicago here. But if the Hawks' terrible record against the spread makes you nervous, I will throw out the Hawks money line with Cavs money line parlay even money. If you want to take like the spread that. there, you can get some plus money here. But um, yeah, I, I mean I trust the Hawks to win this game. Like first of all, the the most glaring thing that came out when I was researching is the Bulls have won six straight road games as favorites, lost six straight as dogs. Now, the Hawks, I mean, in their last eight, the Hawks have not been the the team that you cannot back uh, to, to, to to cover a spread no matter what. I mean, they're actually 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven. They're actually playing extremely well. Their only two losses uh, were comebacks by the Clippers and an incredible output by Dallas. So they've given up nearly 150 and 40-plus in those two fourth quarters. And while they give up the most points per game in this last eight, like they're, they're outscoring you. And frankly, I just don't think the Bulls like at surface level have any chance of, of scoring the way the, the Hawks do or the way those other two teams that beat them do, especially they're a little banged up here. Kobe White ankle soreness, you know, has struggled his last two. They only got 15 points in the fourth quarter at Orlando on Saturday. A little bit of a rest disadvantage as they come to Atlanta here. Their defense has not been up to snuff lately. Alex Caruso is questionable as well. Like that would be a huge loss against Trey Young if you don't have Caruso. But even with them in there in their last eight, they're allowing the second most threes, eighth most assists. Uh, they're they're scoring a high percentage of points off turnovers, forcing the second most there. Atlanta has the fourth lowest turnover rate in their last eight, eighth lowest on the season. Um, and, and so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like the Hawks to win this game one way or another. Won five of seven since Trey came back. Like I mentioned, let's look at the Cavs. I mean, 17 of their last 18, what do you want to say? Including their last three at home. Now they're back home uh, where they're 15 and four as home favorites. Philly, obviously, no Embiid, still, still uh, you know, trying to find their stride. I somehow think they're going to cover 10 points, yeah. you know, like a random Oubre game and, and Maxi being able to to find some cracks in a really good Cleveland defense. But I think the Cavs win, and that's the best money line partner. Yeah, I mean, everything that I read says the Cavs should win this game by a million. Uh, there's There's not much in the recent numbers that – would indicate that the Cavs wouldn't do that. So, yeah, if you want to throw them in a money line with the Hawks, that's fine entirely. Like, zero problem with that. Um, that that might be one of the easier games of the night in terms of the money line. You're going to need Maxi to just do crazy heroic things once again um, and, and score at least 40, probably. I mean, there, I don't see a way that this team wins without him scoring at least 35, and the Cavs would have to probably play bad on offense. So, in summation, the, the margin of, uh, is very small for the Philadelphia 76ers to be able to win that game. For the Hawks, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if Caruso doesn't play, I think it's 
one of those uh what do you call them locks if they exist uh it's a definitely a sure a much more surefire bet without caruso to slow down trey trey's uh prop if you're looking at it is at 23 and a half because alex caruso is the best point guard stopper in the league so proceed with caution if you want to take it over on trey if caruso is in i kind of like assists for Trey, if Caruso is not is is in the game, uh, when he forces the ball out of Trey's hands, Chicago gives up a ton of assists to point guards, the fewest amount of points per game to point guards. That is a direct result of Alex Caruso. But if he is not in, um, this is this would even even better game. Even if he is in, I don't. I would agree that there's not weapons on the side of Chicago right now um, to be able to hang with the way that Atlanta is is playing offense. So uh, I'm going to go to an under in what I think is the game of the night, but I don't know with the way that the Milwaukee Bucks are playing against these Nuggets here. They're at home, and I'm going under 232 and a half, and that might be down to 232 or 231 and a half. I don't know if there's any uh, 232s with the hook hanging anywhere, but like I got to just, at the very least, I got to bring this bet up and talk about it because it's kind of crazy how bad the Nuggets have been on offense lately at, on the road and how good the Bucks have been at home on defense or not bad, I guess, depending on how you look at who they're playing in terms of their opponents for the Bucks at home. But right now, offensive rating for the Nuggets in their last five road games, which dates back to like the 15th of, of January, about a month ago, um, 29th. That is second worst offensive rating for this team, on, for, for teams playing on the road in their last five. The D rating is at 16th, a bit better. Um, the effective field goal percentage is at 25, is 25th in the league right now. It's just wild to see them not really be able to have quite as seamless of an offense uh, that has actually relied on Joker to just kind of get his a bit more than, than the dimes that they not normally can depend on their opponent effective field goal percentage is 12th. So like they're still playing slightly above average defense on the road and their pace is 27th on in that time frame. right now you go over to the bucks and you look at their offense in the last five, we're talking about 15th, in offensive rating as opposed to the third or fourth that they normally would be and have been at home all season fifth in defensive rating. And I was just going back through it going like, why? And it's simply just because it's not just that other teams have missed a few shots here and there, to be honest. I mean, their opponent three point percentage, not great, but also like a, a bit more down low presence, uh, a bit more defending the rim, a bit more getting back on defense. I suppose that's going to come maybe with a bit more of Doc Rivers being, you know, really emphasizing that kind of stuff as a defensive minded coach. It, it would add up that that would be a, a big catalyst for the change because the time frame matches up with when Doc Rivers is in there on the sideline versus, you know, beforehand. So that, that adds up the opponent field goal percentage. For this, um, for this Bucks team is fourth best. The effective field goal percentage for their opponents, they're limiting them very nicely. The effective field goal percentage for the Bucks on offense has been slightly lower than uh, top of the league. They're 16th in that at home over the course of this time frame, and their pace has slowed down to about 13th, 14th as well when they're playing at home. So slow paces versus two teams playing way better on defense than they are on offense. 230. I, when I saw 230, I really thought it might open a lot closer, to like 227 and a half, 228 and a half knowing that the Bucks are playing this way. But I, I do think there's an element to it that the, the books know the public looks at Milwaukee. They're like, oh, they're, they're going to score and speed things up. And they look at Denver and they go, well, this is a great offensive team. So let's go ahead and take them. And I think you do need to do a little bit more bet, mod, betting model research to, to kind of see the recent numbers to really understand what I'm talking about. here. The Bucks with Patrick Beverly are allowing 84 points per game. There it is. 84. And that is clearly sustainable. Uh, no, but in, in seriousness, like he is going to change – the culture a little bit, uh, a little more accountability, also just a lot more defense at the point of attack. Like normally, you'd look at Jamal Murray and just be like, he's gonna, he's gonna absolutely cook Dame and and whoever else, you know, Malik Beasley. They're gonna throw at him. That was part of the biggest reason the Bucks were, were struggling so bad defensively. And yeah, you add the coaching change, like you mentioned, and a little bit of personnel to help 
with that. I mean, these teams just total 220 in Denver, and then the, the road splits are so so stark uh, with the Nuggets. So, yeah, I like I like the look here. Pretty sharp. Hopefully I look sharp on this one. Knicks at Rockets over 222. And, um, you know, the Knicks are, are down to a bare-bones lineup here. Eight-man rotation and missing the key defenders, I, I think, OG and Hartenstein. And recently, they, they've not been that kind of Knicks defense that we know Tibbs would love to play. They have a 125 defensive rating in their last four, allowing the third-highest field goal percentage, second-highest three-point percentage. Um, even in a larger sample size when they had some of those guys, their fourth-worst three-pointy in their last nine. Now you add to this rotation – Bogdanovich and Burks, guys who are you know more offense than defense. Obviously, you look at their defensive ratings with Detroit, and it's awful. But you know, the, in their Knicks debut, not able to do that much on the defensive end. But Burks, easy twenty as they call him, twenty two and twenty two. Love to see it. Four year over. Also love to see Jalen Brunson back in there dropping forty like nothing. And don't forget, Dante had what thirty six in the one game Brunson missed. Dante playing out of his mind shooting 40% from three in his last 12 with 22 points. So I think the Knicks can score on this Houston team, which, you know, they're missing guys too. And at, at first glance, you're like, uh-oh, Fred Van Fleet's out. Maybe Shangoon's out. But yeah. the thing is, without Fred Van Fleet, they're just the Rockets of last year or the, the year before, right? It's the Jalen Green Rockets. It's Jalen Green, 30% usage. Let's go up and down. We can't defend the paint. We don't slow it down. We don't value possessions in the fourth quarter. Uh, they have a 123.5 defensive rating is what it shakes down to in five games without Fred. That's 11 points worse than when they have him. They score a little bit more to keep up, but they have not had much success winning games. Uh, and But their last six at home, you know, with Fred in and out a little bit, scoring 122, pace is way up, 4-2 and two to the over, and that's despite bad three-point shooting. That's despite not getting a ton of free throws. Uh, so, I mean, I, I am a little concerned if Shangun's out, but at the same time, like, that means what Jeff Jeff Green's starting at the four and and like Jabari at the five. Like I just think their defense is not going to be good enough to limit the Knicks and and their and their offense will find a way against a Knicks team that's just just gassed and just playing more offense than defense right now at a necessity. Yeah, the the only thing I would so first of all, if Shingu doesn't play, I, I I'm just a complete stay away outside of the Knicks winning this game by a lot. Um, I, I do think with Jalen Brunson in and Shangun out, this is not a close game. Um, I also, Isaiah Hartenstein might play, which doesn't really hurt. Like he, he's been great on defense. Don't get me wrong. He's been way above what the expectation was for how Isaiah Hartenstein would defend the rim. Um, and the rebounds will be there. I don't think he impacts the game more towards a defensive minded way of playing. I just think that like him being in there is is just another reason that I like the Knicks as my favorite bet in this game. If you have no Shangun, dude, we're talking about the offense being run by Amon Thompson and Dylan Brooks and Jalen Green. And I like Amon Thompson the best out of the three names I just said to not be a dunderhead when he's playing point guard for this team. So Ime is is going to probably, I guess he doesn't have any hair to pull out, but he would have been pulling his hair out in this game if Shangun doesn't play because that that's a frustrating backcourt that you have to watch um, try to facilitate half-court offense. No, 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 that's the, that, that won't that won't be the case. So if Shangun doesn't play, I, I would stay. My personal bet is definitely just sticking to the Knicks. So I don't have to worry about the Rockets coming around, around along for the ride at all. But um, let me close this one out with uh, another under for that Golden State Warriors. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Warriors money line. I, I do like an under in that game. Let me be very clear. That has gotten bet down a few points. And I sound like a madman saying take an under where Utah is at home with the Golden State Warriors in town who are great at shooting threes and can dime up. And Utah gives up assists uh and all that but like 
Utah also doesn't give up anything down low. And the Dubs have actually been a better defensive team and down low team. So you can get their money line still at minus 110. That's what I hit because it's basically a pick them or a minus one for them and like a minus 110 uh, odds at Caesar for them to just win the game straight up is great. An under 242 and a half. I think this probably stays around that number. I don't think it's going to drop too far because the public will keep keeping that number up by betting on the over if it goes down at all, uh, knowing that Utah does what it does at home. But there's been some things that have definitely slowed things down for the dubs lately on the road. And one of those things has been the uh, arri- arrival of guys like Guy Santos. Uh, he's been playing more minutes. So has Lester Quinones. And man, are those guys not great on offense. But golly, do they try hard on defense. And defense at the NBA is 95% effort. So you get two young guys in there that slow the pace down. Can't really, uh, don't really fit into the offense. I'll be honest. Like Quinones, it's just if he's not shooting well, is just not really helpful to you. Uh, and, and the same concept for Guy Santos, if he's not necessarily getting offensive rebounds and getting those, you know, hustle points, not much he's bringing to you either. So those two guys have come in and averaged like about 15 to 22 minutes over the course of the last seven games, and that is a huge reason for why over the course of that time period, uh, the Dubs have been just a completely different team as we've seen. For them, uh, they're four and one in their last ro- five road games. Um, they have the sixth best offensive rating, but they have the third best defensive rating as well. And they are playing at a pace that has about the seventh fastest. So it's not like it's like a guarantee, but the defense has been the key thing for them that I look at and go, all right, they are limiting second chance points. They are not relying quite as much on offensive rebounding as they were at one point to get their shots because the true shooting percentage and the effective field goal percentage has gone back up for this team. On the road, they are now ninth in effective field goal percentage over their last five road games. On the season, they were up uh, around 22nd for most of that. So that is a big turnaround for them as well in terms of the, the everything just sort of working better on defense. The, the um, I guess, in- inclusion of Kaminga in there at least means that you don't have uh, long spurts where your starting lineup does not have a one-on-one defender that can handle any kind of isolation ball. Um, and the the Jazz have a, a number of guys that definitely want to take you out and put you in ISO, like a Jordan Clarkson, even a Con Sexton. Um, and they want to find guys like Lowry Markinen in a place where you get the defense um, imbalanced and, and are able to swing it over there. But the Dubs are limiting assists. Um, and like I said, they're limiting that opponent effective field goal sec- second best in the league uh, in a way that is like, okay, they're, they're getting out on the threes, obviously, because they're limiting that the effective field goal percentage, and they're definitely uh, a bit better down low. I mean, there, there would be the opportunity here for Walker Kessler and some bigger guys to get some points. But my main thing, too, here with the, the Jazz, just looking at them, uh, while they haven't been the best, I mean, they still have the second-best offensive rating at home over their last five in their in their own building. Back at ninth and pace, but they also rely on free throws, for a number one free throw attempt rate in that time, and the Dubs went from tw- uh, 27th. And for most of the season, they were dead last in opponent free throw attempt rate. Over the last, like, 15 games, it got a little better. Over the last five games, even better 12th best uh, opponent uh, free throw attempt rate, which still not anything to like go ahead and write home about, but it's top 15, you know, it's top 15 in the league as opposed to bottom five in the league, which is what they were for most of the time. So they're obviously improving at, at defending without fouling. And lastly, you got Walker Kessler in there. You're, you don't have any more Kelly Olenek minutes. He's back in Canada uh, in, his, in, in his home place. Uh, and now you've got Walker Kessler getting on the floor a lot more here and Walker Kessler on the floor versus Kelly Olenek on the floor. We're talking about a slower pace. We're talking about fewer offensive rebounds for your opponent and second chance points for your opponent. Um, obviously, defending the paint, the rim uh, field goal percentage is going to continue to go uh, up for them with with him in there for more minutes. So more Walker Kessler, less Kelly O, all that stuff. I, I'm liking an under 242 and a half, but I also really like the, the Dubs to be able to keep the streak going. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing to think about here is the rest advantage. Or I, I mean, rest rest for everybody has been kind of crazy. Like, a lot of teams have not played since Thursday for yeah. the Super Bowl. Dubs did pull out a win 
over Phoenix um, on Saturday. Uh, but I, I think, you know, even with a little bit of extra rest, that their defense should be even better. Like you're saying, if you, if you can get the Jazz into a game that isn't like a 130, 130 game, um, yeah, I, I think the Warriors have the advantage there. If they can slow it down, value possessions, and not just get into these kind of crazy shootouts. So yeah. I do see the correlation here. But, yeah, if you're going to take the under, yeah, just wait and wait for this to get up to like 246, right? Because people are only going to be betting the over – I think unless they really deep dive deep into these stats and try to get ahead of the curve. Exactly. And it started at about 242, 243 and a half, and it got bet down like a few points, like a point or two. I happen to know a couple of the people who probably bet that down after talking to them last night a little bit on text. And uh, they were still a little bit hesitant too, you know, in terms of like, okay, well, I, I do think this is the case, but it's just objectively terrifying to take it under for Utah at home. So Nate, might as well keep it going, kid, and keep the streak wicked hot. Uh, get into your first NBA best bet here. Yeah, I'll go Donovan Mitchell over 26 and a half points. Uh, pretty low considering, uh, you know, what he's capable of. And really, I just, I, it's part of like, I smell the Sixers covering this 10 and a half point spread. I don't really know why. Just uh, just a feeling that like, you know, in this this kind of playoff preview matchup, they'll find a way without Embiid to be competitive. And if they are, Donnie averages seven and a half points per game in the fourth quarter. That's 10th best in the league. And, you know, he should be scoring down the stretch. He's definitely capable of getting over 27 points, uh, even if the game is not competitive, which we've seen plenty recently uh, during this Cavs hot streak. The Cavs are back home after playing five of their last six on the road. And in his last six home games, Donovan averages 35 points per game with a 35% usage rate. You'd say, oh, well, Darius Garland, his minutes are creeping up. He's, you know, he's up to like 29 minutes a game now. Maybe that's going to hurt. Well, his last seven with with Garland back in there, 30 points per game, 32.5% usage. And his splits are even better because he has a table setter now. 55, 45 from the field, 91% at the line. That's a 130 offensive rating. The Sixers, without Embiid, their their defense has certainly plummeted. Uh, last nine, they're, they have the second worst defensive rating in the league, allow the second most free throws, allow the fourth highest three-point percentage, and the eighth most points to shooting guards. Uh, you know, they, they did cover at Denver and at Utah without Embiid, thanks to that heroic performance from Maxie. Maybe I think Maxie has a... It is one of the rare exceptions to this Cleveland defense that, like, they, they limit guys, but they can't necessarily limit Maxi, who's just so quick that maybe he can get around, find some corners, and uh, maybe maybe that's why I think that the Sixers hang around here. But either way, like, love this number for Donovan Mitchell. at pretty good odds, just minus 105 at MGM. I was looking at this, and I actually considered adding the um, assists to Donnie Mitchell as well. The the interesting thing about the the – 76ers without Embiid they're almost giving up they're giving up almost four more assists per game without Jojo down there uh and that definitely comes in the form of of delivering once you get into the lane to just having a lot more options when if, if Joel Embiid just sort of swallows you up in the paint and his giant arms just envelop you and you can't go anywhere do anything or see anybody around you um and, and so I, I think that there's the likelihood that if he gets in there look if he gets into the paint Donnie can really just do whatever he wants at that point b-ball Paul is not a rim protector 
God bless him. Um, honestly, he hasn't been as good of a rebounder as his nickname would indicate. But um, yeah, more, more importantly, there's just there's going to be points to come by. I, if this stays close, then yeah, it's because Maxi and Tobias just basically kept them in it with with shooting. To be honest with you, and, and getting to the lane, maybe Maxi gets a ton of free throws if if he can. But like, I don't I don't see a giant a path for them to win outside of that. And in the meantime, like Donnie Mitchell is going to have to do his thing. The only thing that would scare me would be a blowout. Um, but I, I still think that the points will be there for for a team that hasn't defended that area of the floor at all so i'm gonna go to uh, a bet that i like to come back to consistently which is when brolo brooke lopez is playing good center that he needs to play defense for and or stretch them out when he's on offense and pull them away from the basket that's when you get big brooke lopez minutes and i kind of like the fact that he's coming off of not playing very many minutes or getting many uh points so i'm gonna take just the points for him over 11 and a half I, I often like to add the rebounds because i do think he needs to play a little bit closer to the basket when he's on defense versus joker but even then, he hasn't gotten the boards versus this team very consistently over the last three, only averaging about two boards per game versus the Nuggets when he's played them in his last three. Um, but other than that, the points are there for him. Um, if you want to look at the the situations for Brooke Lopez, shout out StatMuse, by the way, because it's gotten really, really good at being able to just take these uh, very specific requests for stats and finding them. Because you can really you can actually go on a StatMuse and find things if you type in the correct sort of parameters like how do centers who shoot make two three pointers and play x amount of minutes against the nuggets do right and so boom type in like centers this season who have x amount of points da da da, da with this many three pointers made Brooke Lopez and anybody who does that against this nuggets team who plays 30 minutes who uh, hits two threes in a game, they've all beaten uh, 11 and a half points, like 100% of the time. It's a pretty specific parameter, but that also includes like 11 different dudes this season that have done it, playing the center position, hitting threes, and also playing big minutes. And that's going to be the crucial part here for, for Brooke. You look at how he's played, or how much he's played rather, when they play these two teams. And yeah, he's back to averaging uh, above the, the 28 and a half, 30 minutes that he had when, when he's like involved in the game a lot more. If you look at his recent minute totals, the only two games that he has failed uh, to go over the uh, 11 and a half points were, well, just one of them actually. The, he went over against Minnesota even uh, in just 25 and a half minutes in what wasn't much of a game because the Bucks didn't show up at home and lost by like 25 points to the to the Timberwolves even in those limited minutes Brooke Lopez was in there because it's a gigantic Milwaukee lineup right and that's going to be the same concept here for the gigantic uh Milwaukee lineup on top of the Minnesota one that they just played so um yeah I think that the the fact that he's going to have a bit more open threes other guys who have done that recently and hit some threes include like Vucevic uh not a few weeks ago um and, and another guy even Wendell Carter Jr when they played the Magic uh hit the, the two threes so yeah this is the, the type of dude who I mean there's nobody better in the league honestly in terms of being able to pull him away from the basket combined with at least be able to limit him somewhat down low and not just get completely eaten alive that's brooke lopez so i, I see a solid 32 to 34 minutes in this game if the bucks as that i think they want to do are going to be trying their absolute butts off to win a big big game uh that could really help them mentally especially turn their season around from the last five games or so yeah and he's close to even money to hit those two threes that you're saying you know he's averaged and has taken a few more since the Bucks made the coaching change. He's he's been more into his traditional role that we saw during the championship years, right? Getting more blocks, protecting the rim. Um, but yeah, I see why you're going with the points and not the rebounds when he does just box out and, and let other guys clean up here. But yeah, four of four of his last five before the blowout against Charlotte, did he top this? So seems pretty consistent. 
So I'll go under 32 and a half points and rebounds for Jaron Jackson Jr. And, uh, you know, I was saying to myself, like, why don't why, just take the points 26 and a half? Like, is he really going to go 27 and only have like four rebounds? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what he does. He's done that in three straight. And, and in fact, nine of his last 10 has he gone under 32 and a half points of rebounds despite getting over the points sometimes. Insane usage rate, 38%. That's led to 26 points per game in his last six, but under four rebounds per game. So he's just not getting there. Also turning the ball over plenty against disciplined defenses, you know, under the points against Cleveland and way under in my, against Miami. Bam literally Im- just embarrassed him. He was just yeah. sitting on the floor, uh, just wondering what, what happened. And the Pelicans defense, while they don't have like a necessarily a center stopper like Bam, I mean, they do have Herb Jones, who they can just guard up a position, right? Might start on J- Triple J, might. But either way, like, good team defense, good guys off the bench, including Larry Nance, to keep throwing at him. And their their team is is just, they've turned around defensively. Like, their last six, 112 defensive rating, allowing the fourth fewest points, third fewest rebounds, forcing the fourth most turnovers. You look at their last 15, allowing the second most second fewest rebounds to power forwards. I mean, they're, they're at the fourth fewest rebounds in general, third fewest in this last six. And that's despite, you know, having a really tough game against the Lakers where they gave up a ton of points. But still, Anthony Davis only 20 and six for what that's worth. Like, I, I just don't see Triple J, you know, who I, I looked at his last six against the, the Pelicans at home way under this number. I mean, it's a different situation in terms of usage rate, but like they have defended him well. He basically only has one spike game against them in the last like four seasons. Uh, so I trust them to to do a pretty good job on him regardless of this usage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. I've, I've been looking for the, the right moments to, to fade Jaron Jackson Jr. As well. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously those last matchups were going to probably even tougher uh, than the one that he's going to uh, face tonight, but like yeah, with Joe Val in there, uh, and, and all the points that you're talking about here, I have, I have no, I'm absolutely no problem with continuing to fade Memphis's offense in how, whichever fashion you'd like to do it. Even though he's going to take continue to take the bulk of the shots, they just they haven't been good looks either. So, uh, final bet here for me is going to be a Trey Young ten plus assist bet. Combine that parlayed with the money line for this Hawks team, which I think we both like. I I don't know if Cruz was going to play. I'm not going to try to guess that at all. It's pretty important to this bet. But even if he doesn't play. I like it. If he does play, I like it because Caruso has forced the ball out of point guards hands a ton and kept them, kept them from scoring to the tune of the fewest points per game allowed to point guards on the season for the bulls. And then as far as the assist go, not bottom, bottom five, bottom 10 for the entirety of the season in terms of allowing point guard assists. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of, of Caruso's defense is funnel the ball out of his hands. Uh, Trey has gone over this in three of his last four versus Caruso and the bulls. And uh, I think a lot more than that is coming. We, we both like the Hawks. So, I mean, as far as the, the uh, the money line for the Hawks goes. Uh, you, you talked about that a bunch more in the best bets video as well, where you like the the Hawks to, to win that game and you like them to to uh, to maybe combine that with the Cavs money line. Um, but yeah, that for for the Hawks, like they've actually been a much better team as of late in terms of actually winning and covering, um, beating some decent teams in there as well. As we know, the Suns are in there, the Warriors are in there on the road playing well. Um, some pretty nice wins there. The only the only losses actually were uh, to to the Mavs who played out of their completely out of their mind uh, in terms of the straight up losses over the course of their last what like eight games. So th- they've looked really good in that in that regard. For Trey, he's up at about sixteen potential assists uh, over his last three, and I say that because Clint Capella has missed the last three, and Anyeka Okangu has been the dude down low for them. 
uh, for the entirety of that game. Plus a lot of Jalen Johnson continuing to go to the basket. That dude just stays getting rebounds. When Clint Capella is out, he's basically a double-double guy each night. Um, and and I would consider him as well in this game. But uh, I do think that uh, for, for the sake of uh, taking – you know, something that like I can rely upon a bit more, which is like Trey's going to have the ball in his hands and Anyeko Kongu is almost as good of a roller off of the screen as Clint Capella is. So has Jalen Johnson proven to be as well as Trey has continued to uh, creep over the 10 assists consistently. Uh, well, in the last three, but also, you know, over the course of the last roughly, let's see, I want to make sure I'm getting right. Like basically like seven of his last 10 or so for the, the 10 assists alone um, and missing the, the 10 and a half in there one time. He has gotten 10 assists in, in there. So I, I do like just dumbing it down a bit, taking the double-double for him. It's pretty uh, beautiful odds on DraftKings, especially compared to elsewhere. If you want to take him to get 10 plus with the money line, it's plus 126. That's a really good number compared to about minus 105. Uh, you can't even get plus money on FanDuel, MGM either uh, for, for this exact same bet. So there's still a good amount of value to be had there for him to get the, the 10 dimes uh, and the win for this team. Like I said, the 16 potential assists might not, make you feel that comfortable. I usually like it to be closer to, uh, uh, you know, not needing the, like what 60% of your, your, uh, pass your potential assist to turn into regular assists to feel comfortable about it. But it is Trey. All of these assists are coming outside, like inside the three point line. They're very rarely is he finding dudes out on the three point line other than like bogey pretty much who really at this point when they're on the floor, it's either Sadiq Bay in the corner or bogey, uh, on the wing that's available for Trey. And he knows that, but he's been going to that lob pass, very, very consistently. Um, and so I think the, the 10 plus assists will be a good a bet against uh, th this. Uh, look, I mean, I, I, the, the Bulls have been stingy and good on defense, but the assists are there for point guards because of the way that they funnel things out of their hands at the, above the break. So, yeah, and as I talked about in the best bets, they, they haven't been good on defense lately. They are allowing the second most threes, the eighth most assists. Um, and, and vulnerable in some areas that the Hawks can take advantage of. Yeah, including, you know, potentially spraying out for some threes because they are a packet in defense are the Bulls, True. right? So they're giving up plenty of attempts um, and, and a high percentage. Um, no matter what, yeah, you like Trey with the ball in his hands. You like the fact that the Hawks, now that the trade deadline's passed and they stood pat, like it, it, there's a lot less distractions, right? Everybody knows their roles and get, get back to it. I'm sure it's some internal discussions with Quinn Snyder about like, okay, here's how we slot in. We're sliding in around Trey. This is our team the rest of the way. Like no more distractions about who might get moved. And uh, let, yeah, let's just rotate around Trey Young. What a great point guard. Yeah, it would be helpful if, if DeAndre Hunter is in there too to give him another outlet, keep playing that D. But yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. And I also like the addition of Patty Mills. He's not probably going to play tonight, but that's a good little backup point guard for them to at least have another dude who can play Trey style ball, if you will. So that's all the time we have for you in the play of props. Continue to follow along, subscribe to that page and check out the best bets that we also have up today and each and every day that we're bringing you these play of props. So until we see you next, happy betting. Yeah.